So if you're joining us online, we're glad that you're with us tonight. Uh, we have a special guest um, that is, uh, uh, can we, should we have you online? Are you sure? Okay. Just thought about that. We could ask that. But if you are online watching us, we're glad that you're with us. And uh, we're going to have a special guest uh, tonight share about uh, making friends in other places around the world. And uh, we're glad to have them. And so it's Doug and Bethany. Uh, We've been loving them your whole spiritual life, brother. So come on up and preach to us. It's good to be back home for a little bit. We'll uh, give you an update. Before I show you some pictures, the Lord's opened a door for us to get back to India. And uh, so we, we planted a church in Cambodia, and we finished that, and we handed it over to the disciples, and the, the Cambodia church continues. But our heart was to go back to India. And, uh, and so we're going to be helping Pastor Ganesh and Pastor Pradeep and all the different pastors we have there. Uh, and we're going to be helping our two orphan homes. And we're going to see some new initiatives by God's grace. And so I want to show you some pictures and updates of what's been going on. And so, uh, as you know, uh, the first pictures here I'm going to show are, are of Nepal. So in the last six months, we, we spent one month in Nepal. We spent a couple of months in India, and we got to travel in between. And so the first, now that first picture here I want to show you here is that um, this is a pastor in Nepal that we helped to plant his church. His name is Pastor Mohan, and he's a disciple of Pastor Rajan. And you all support Pastor Rajan in the ministry in uh, Nepal. And so in this particular village, this man Mohan, who I have my arms around, his wife was sick. About 20 years ago, his wife got sick, and the Hindu witch doctor tried to give a healing and tried to cast spells for healing, but the healing did not come. And so he took his wife to the hospital. The healing did not come. So the Hindu witch doctor in this village in Nepal The Hindu witch doctor said he heard that the name of Jesus heals. He didn't know who Jesus was, but he heard that there was a church that prays in the name of Jesus, and you ought to just go try Jesus, you know, out of the recommendation of the witch doctor, you know. So they went down to Pastor Rajan's church, our Greater Grace Church, and Pastor Rajan and the church prayed, and the lady was healed. His wife got healed, and so they all became Christians, and... uh, and then he got trained in the Bible college and he became a pastor and planted this church in his village and the witch doctor got saved and, the, and about 100 people in the village got saved. So this happened about 15 years ago and when I first came to Nepal, the very first year I came, the same year I met Bethany, we, uh, Beth and I, we met each other in Nepal, you know, as we're serving God in the same place God put us together and me and Bethany have been married for 12 years now. So right around the time that I got married to Bethany, when God put Bethany into Nepal to meet me, uh, I visited this church, and they were having church in a chicken coop, right? And Matt, you had to try that one time, Pastor Brian, you know? I know you guys have church in the park, but try to have church in a chicken coop, you know? So, um, so they asked me, they said, Pastor Doug, can you donate some money that we might build a church building? And I, I gave them $4,000 of my own money. And that just built like foundation and they needed more money for the building. And so some of my, my, my father who doesn't believe in Jesus, but my father has relatives who do believe in Jesus and they gave money to build this building here. And so this, this church now has 300 disciples in the church now. And those are his two key assistant pastors who go out into other villages 
And so this is the first time I got to go back. This is a picture of me from, from just last month. The first time I got to visit the church in over seven years, I'd been gone. And so they were happy to see me. Uh, but the, it took six hours to get there. Like Bethany didn't go on that trip because that, that road was a rough road. I mean, it knocks your spine out of your, you know, like you got to have a good back to go on that. So uh, let's look at the next picture. So in Nepal, we help with the Hope Family Orphans. And I think you all have prayed and given to this. There, in 2010, there was about 17 orphans who got rescued by Pastor Rajan in our church in Kathmandu. And so there they are. So we have, every year we have a birthday party because they don't know when their birthday is. They're orphans. They don't remember when their birthday is. And so Bethany always would give them a birthday party. And we, we had been away from Nepal for seven years. And so this is our chance to, again, throw on the birthday party. And, and uh, you know, by the way, this Nepal church, the Kathmandu Nepal, it's a daughter church of missionaries from our Bombay church just to help you get the big picture. Let's see, it's been, uh, it's been 17 years ago, or it's been 15 years ago, uh, some, some 15 years ago that you all, as a church, you helped me to get to India 15 years ago. And so I've been living in India and Cambodia the last 15 years. And as we, as we help the church in Bombay, we help the missionaries go up to Nepal and this is like a daughter church of the Bombay church that we're helping to start. Uh, so after we did the birthday party, I have a couple more pictures of that. Um, and the next picture is probably some more of the kids. Um, oh, there we go. Okay, so, so in Nepal, as we finished that birthday party, we went to visit some of the village churches in Nepal that are pastored by my former students. Like we, ha- we have an HBI in Nepal and also in, in Bombay. It's called the Bombay Bible Institute. And so this lady here is one of the graduates of our Bible college, right? And she married a pastor. Her husband also is one of our graduates, and they started a church in a village. And this is their twin daughters. This is Mary and Martha, right? So uh, next picture. And so when we come back, they always give us a big welcome. You know, you know where that is, Pastor Brian. That's Arissa, right? They give you the biggest welcome in Arissa, right? And so... Um, so as we had been away for seven years, that as we planted the church in Cambodia, they were always waiting for us to come back. And as we came back, this is our visit to Arissa with Pastor Pradeep. Uh, next picture. And so these are all of the key disciples that are new disciples in the Arissa church. These are, these are the Bible college students who are training to be pastors. Basically, Pastor Brian, it's like the third batch. We have the first batch. You all helped us train that first batch of pastors. And they were already pastors, but they'd never been trained. Then there's that second batch that you all helped us train that were young men being trained to be pastors. And now this is the third group of students that are coming through. And so I'm excited to get back there because I want to, you know what, Pastor Brian, you'd be amazed. This third batch of students, I could tell, are even better quality than we've had before. Like you'd be shocked at the now, even though they they've not been training the Bible more than just about one year so far, but they're more mature, and uh, you can just tell the steadiness and the and the the humbleness is even higher level this time. Um, next picture, um, and so this is like when we go out to the villages with Pastor Pradeep, that preaching out in the open air in the villages. Next picture, um, and then Bethany teaching the ladies. 
And so when we went to Arissa, the same thing happened in, when we were in Nepal. Same thing happens when we're in Bombay. Is that Bethany uh, gives great joy to the ladies because you see us men, we love to have our men's conferences, don't we? We like to have pastors' conferences and deacons' meetings. And the women say, well, what about us, right? And then finally, Bethany shows up, right? And finally, they get a woman teacher, amen? A woman who knows discipleship to teach the women how to disciple. And so Bethany always gets all kinds of open doors, which, by the way, I'm putting in a plug here for a trip, right, Pastor Brian? Like, next time you come on a trip, bring some women, right? Bring some women teachers, man, because they, they would just soak it up. We need some men to come too, right? And so... We are praying that there'll be a trip from this church sometime in maybe 2023 that we could have some kind of trip back to India. Uh, next picture. So there's one particular tribe in a village area of Orissa that you can see the tattoos on their face. Of the, the ladies have tattoos on the face like that. And I don't know, Pastor Brian or Steve Fleshman, if you remember these people that you've seen that face before. And here's the story. And... Um, See, in that particular area of Orissa, there's a lot of child trafficking. There's a lot of um, uh, sex trafficking and child labor also. And so a lot, of kid, a lot of young girls get kidnapped in that particular area of that village. And so this happened about 20, 30 years ago. It actually doesn't happen as much now anymore because the tribe came up with a solution. Let's take our little girls and tattoo their faces so that we'll make them so they're not so pretty, right? And so all their life they have to grow up with their tattooed face, and then they won't get kidnapped because they're, they're not as pretty as the other girls, right? And so they're tattooed for their own protection. And Bethany uh, always likes to spend time with those ladies to, uh, recognizing the brokenness that they've had to go through and how they bear, they bear those marks but, uh, but they, they're rescued, their souls are rescued by Jesus, and they are bold witnesses for Jesus now. So, uh, next picture. So these are our orphans that Pastor Pradeep has rescued. And so we have about 19 orphans in the, in the building now. It's a brand new building that you got to see, Pastor Brian. And uh, so what happened was we get these 19 kids and they come from the villages that were, our, our disciples are planting new churches and villages. They always see little kids running around. And they always say to the adults, like, Who, whose kids are those? What, those kids belong to who? And no one claims those kids. And the father's dead and the mother's, uh, usually what happens is the mother uh, tr- goes to live with other relatives or the mother tries to get married to somebody else and she, for, she forgets her kid. For some reason in the, in the culture over there, the, the widowhood is there's a big shame to be a widow. And they'll, they'll kind of forget their kids and, and focus on their own shame. And the kids get neglected. And so our pastors get the government permission to take in the kids and say, hey, we'll take care of your kids and we'll give them a good education. There'll be a good school near the church. So Pastor Pradeep has 19 kids. We call it the Grace Family. And in Nepal, we call it the Hope family. But what happened is, I think it's in the next, what's the next picture? There we go. (coughs) Excuse me. These are 12 new kids. So what happened is, Pastor Pradeep, about two years ago, he planted a church in a village. And this is only about an hour away from Raigada, but then the Hindus 
got so angry at the people becoming Christians that they kicked the Christians out of the village and the Christians were homeless. And so the Christians had to leave their homes, pack up their bags and find tents. And the Christians are living in tents on the hillside and they did not complain. Bethany and I, we met this, this group of persecuted Christians and they came to the church conference. They traveled to hear us preach and they did not complain to us saying, oh, Pastor Douglas, can you build us a home? They didn't ask for a home. But they said, can you take care of our kids? So here they are like with Pastor Pradeep that since he already has an orphan home, now he has to take in 12 new kids that are not orphans, but they're homeless kids with their their families being persecuted. So now we have, what, about 31 kids in the orphan home, you know? And I put out an email about that, and there's been a few people who've given extra for that uh, because Pastor Pradeep has a lot of big responsibility now. But Pastor Pradeep has five assistant pastors now. Like he has a mature group of leaders who've been through uh, the, the fire with him. And so he has a lot of shoulders to put responsibility onto now. Next picture. Of course, all the ladies in India, they love to dress up my wife Bethany in their be- the best dress, right? They, they see Bethany coming and they, oh, she might be wearing, you know, like a Western uh, blouse or something. No, that won't do it. Like we have to put this Indian dress on you. It's called a sari, right? So they go and get this beautiful sari, and, they, and then she has to go in the back room, and they'll wrap her up. You know, it's a big wrapping project, you know? And she has to stand there, and they have to wrap her around and fix this and, and tuck that in and tuck this in, and, and then she comes out so beautiful. Uh, and then these are the two ladies who do it. This, you remember these ladies, um, Nashama and Mukta. They're always in the kitchen cooking, and they're also the key women who are the leaders. And she's the, in the blue there, she's the grandmother of the whole movement, you know, Nashama, and then Mukta. Right? That's, that's actually her house, right? There's a church in her house. And that, that, you've been in that village house. This is the church in Nashama's house there. Um, so next picture. And then this is Nashama. As we're leaving that village house of Nashama, she's saying, please come back. When you, she's, and, and bring Pastor Brian next time, you know, right? <laughs> so next picture. Yeah, and so, so as we left the Arissa villages, then we went back to Bombay. Now, I know our life is hard to follow because we're always traveling, right? But you know what? Bombay is our home. For 10 years, we lived in Bombay together. And Bombay is that city of 20 million people. But when you go to Bombay, it's like New York City, right? Everybody, from, everybody living in Bombay, they're from somewhere else. They're from some village. That's why they live in a slum. They live in this poor conditions in the city because they're from some village. That, and in the village, there's no education, there's no hospitals, there's no development. But in the city, there's jobs, right? So everybody comes to Bombay for jobs. And uh, they get hooked on drugs or something is what happens usually, right? And they get stuck in the slum. But see, what happens is we've planted, now we personally, we work with Pastor Ganesh and we planted three churches in the slums. But then for 10 years when I was living in Bombay, I worked under Pastor Carl Silva, and Pastor Carl had about four churches uh, with the English, like the higher caste English crowd. And so I was working under the English church, but I was starting the slum churches, right? So in 10 years, when me and Bethany lived there for 10 years, we saw, it wasn't us doing, but we saw the four churches turn into 17 churches in the city of in the city of Bombay, we have 17 churches. 
And then we have three churches that are slum churches. And so this is a conference that we gathered all the churches together in Bombay, and then we called all the missionaries that we've been training. We said, let's all come together and have a big conference. And we did this in just in May last month. Next picture. And this is our, our pastor, Pastor Schaller, because I joined this mission group called Greater Grace. It's out in Baltimore, Maryland. And Greater Grace believes the same thing that we all believe here, but they have like churches reproducing churches that reproduce churches. They have like great-granddaughter churches all over the world. And so Pastor Schaller is like the head pastor of the whole thing, you know, and he's a real personable guy. He's the kind of guy that he knows everybody's name, you know, and he's a powerful preacher. So he came to Bombay to preach to us, and we graciously hosted him. Now, next picture. Um, but see, as we walk to the conference, this is what we have to walk through, right? I just want you to give you a picture of if you all come visit us in Bombay, India, you have to walk through this. To, to see all the exciting, adventurous stuff, you got to walk through the trash every, everywhere you go, you know? Um, next picture. And this is our team. So this is Pastor Ganesh. In the blue shirt there, his wife next to him, his daughter Angel. And then there's Tom and Christy Brockmeyer, who are from Buckner, Missouri, you know. Uh, and uh, actually, they're from Pastor Alan Shelby's church in Blue Springs. Past- pastor Tom Brockmeyer is the missions pastor. And so he came to participate in our India conference, uh, the Brockmeyer family. And then we have our two assistant pastors in our, with Pastor Ganesh in our churches in the slums. Next picture, that's uh, Lalu. On that side, and then yeah, Lalu, and then Manish. So these are our two guys that, see, they're, they're guys who've lived in the slums, and we reached them during our 10 years of church planning, and they've become like the two pastors that we've trained. And this is what's going to happen by God's grace, right? As Bethany and I return back there, and we help continue to grow the discipleship of our slum churches, that... Manish and Lalu will take over those churches, and me and Pastor Ganesh are going to go to new areas. Because Pastor Ganesh is always talking to me about, oh, Pastor Douglas, there's this village just outside the city, and this, there's this Korku tribe, you know, and this tribe of people, and, and they've never heard about Jesus. We've we got to go there, you know. And he's been waiting until his church is mature enough where he can hand over his church in the slums and he can go out to the next place. So this next season of our life, Pastor Ganesh and I are going to start hitting new areas of people who've never heard of Jesus, you know. We're going to go just outside of Bombay City and reach someplace. And uh, so next picture. This is our Sunday evening church. It meets in a school building right next to the slums. Uh, Next picture. These are the ladies in our church on Sunday evening. So this is a church in the slums. These are all people. They, They dress very, they have beautiful dresses, right? They're very uh, very well groomed, right? But if you walk into their homes, it's not very well groomed, right? That's what's a miracle. Is you can see how clean they are, but how much they're surrounded by trash everywhere. They have to, they share one toilet amongst 5,000 people. How can they be so clean? They, do, they get buckets of water and they carry the buckets of water back to their little slum home and they clean themselves, you know? And they stay so clean, don't they? It's amazing. So these are the ladies of our church and in the slum that meets in a school. Uh, next picture. And this is the outside of the church. See, when you come to church in India, you got to take your shoes off, right? And watch out because your shoes might get mixed up with somebody else's shoes. I don't know how. See, me and Bethany always pick up our shoes and carry them behind the pulpit, you know, 
to make sure our, our shoes don't get carried away somewhere. Uh, next picture. Okay, so this is what I want to tell you tonight. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to build you up. We're going to get into the book of Acts today because when Bethany and I went to India this time, after one month, we had to leave India and we had to reapply and God answered our prayer. We got a five-year visa. So now we're ready to go, right? I mean, Bethany was kind of nervous, like wondering, like, you know how it, it's, it's easier for a guy to travel, right? But for a woman, how is it for a woman that like, a woman likes to nest, right? A woman likes to set up a home and be in one place. And here, Bethany had to get married to a guy like me, right? <laughs> so what happened was, when we had to leave India after a month, we waited to get that government approval for the five-year visa. So, so we just prayed, and we were making plans. We said, what shall we do while we're waiting, while we're waiting for India to give us a five-year visa? And we thought, let's go to Europe, Right? The first place we went, I don't have pictures, but we went to Poland, and we actually worked with Ukrainian refugees for about three weeks. We have, we have a Greater Grace Church in Warsaw, Poland, and we started working with, there was Ukrainian refugees, this is back in the, the first week of March, and the war was fresh, and we saw fresh refugees coming out of Ukraine, and they were in Poland, and our church, we started working with our church in Warsaw, and we went to the train station, and we started giving out the gospel. To, and we started, we had some of our church members give money, and, and some of our Polish church members were housed, like opening up their house for Ukrainian refugees. And so we got to share gospel with Ukrainians. But that was only a three-week journey. And after that, we went to Rome. So I want to show you what we learned from the book of Acts. Because the apostle, I told Bethany, I said, I want to walk where the apostle Paul walked, Right? And if we're going to take a short vacation, right, in be, while we're waiting to get back into India. So this is, of course, the Roman Colosseum, 2,000 years old. Now, next picture. Uh, the, all the gladiator games were fought there, right? All the gladiators were, were, you know, doing the blood sports there. You know what happened? In the year 391, what, this one Christian man named Telemachus, he got tired of the blood sports, and, and the Roman government was suddenly becoming Christian, and a lot, of, a lot of the Roman Empire were becoming Christian. And so, but they were still having the blood sport. There was a lust for blood sports in Rome. And so Telemachus went into this Colosseum in the year 391, and he stood amidst the gladiators and the animals, and everybody's killing each other, right? And he said, stop, we're, we're Christians now. We should not be doing this, right? Stop the fighting. And everybody in the crowd got so angry at Telemachus for trying to stop the sports game that they stoned him to death, right? And so Telemachus became a Christian martyr. There were many Christian martyrs in this place that were killed by the lions, right? But when Telemachus was martyred for Christ, then the emperor was also a Christian. So the emperor says, we're going to stop the blood sports. And that's how the gladiator game stopped in the year 391. And after that, they did sports, but they didn't kill each other after that. They found sports to do like, you know, like football and baseball, you know, where you don't kill each other, right? So that's the story of the Colosseum. Uh, next, next picture uh, and next photo. And one, one more photo. Okay, and this is the Arch of Titus. This, when Titus destroyed Jerusalem in 70 AD, he said, build me an arch. 
You know, I, I defeated Jerusalem. I defeated Israel. Build me my, and here it still stands, the exact same Arch of Titus. But you walk through the Arch of Titus and then you see, what's this next picture? Uh, you see all the old temples. This is like the Temple of Apollos and the Temple of Zeus and all these temples to the Roman gods, right? They're still partially standing, partially destroyed. But as you walk, you see that orange building behind there? Uh, look at the next picture. That orange building behind all the Roman temples, it's called uh, the, uh, what's it called, honey? The Mamertine Prison, that's it. Mamertine Prison. So the Mamertine Prison is where the Apostle Paul was kept in 2 Timothy chapter uh, 4 when he says, I have run the good race. I have kept the faith. I have, I have uh, I've finished my course. Oh, I've, I've, fought, I've fought the good fight. I've finished my course and I've kept the faith. And there is laid up for me, there it is, his Manitimin prison, right? There's a crown of righteousness, right? So when you go inside this museum, which is still preserved, you go down. So there's Bethany walking down the steps. And what do you see at the bottom of the steps? Next picture. And this is the exact same place where the Apostle Paul wrote 2 Timothy, right? It's the exact same concrete bricks, and lonely little, little dungeon place. It's like deep under the earth. And they built a church museum on top to preserve it. And so that's how dark it is. There's like a hole at the top for some light. And so we, we took pictures and a video there. And we just, we, Bethany and I prayed there. We thought, thank God, because what, you did, what God did in that place, that lonely place, that Paul was able to write so much hope. I mean, the next time you're reading the books of the New Testament, think about where, where was Paul when he wrote this, right? I mean, such a hopeless place, such a dark place. Have you ever been in a dark place in your life? <laughs> That's when God's going to produce the Bible out of you, right? <laughs> I mean, he's going to run that Bible through your heart. Uh, next picture. So as we finished Rome, we went to a place called Athens, Greece. And we went up to the Acropolis. This is like walking up the hill of the Acropolis. Next picture. And we're seeing all the... The Greek, this is the Greek gods and the Greek temples. Next picture. Uh, the Temple of Athena. Next picture. There's Bethany in front of the Temple of Athena, the, the big Acropolis on top of the hill of Athens. But when you, what is it again? It's the Pantheon. The Pantheon. But see, the highlight, the number one thing you want to do if you go to Athens is go to Mars Hill. You guys remember Mars Hill? Look at the next picture. And after that next picture, there we go. So that's Mars Hill, actually. You're, you're walking past the temples, and you see this little, uh, you know, rock formation. And then there's, the, there's a black plaque there on the left-hand side. There it is. So that is Acts chapter 17 written in a plaque in the Greek language. And so they've marked, where did the Apostle Paul preach Acts chapter 17? You remember the story? Let's open up. Before I finish the rest of these pictures, let's open up there. Because I want to read to you, what do we learn from the book of Acts? So in Acts 17, starting in verse uh, 16. All right, in Acts 17, in verse 16. Now when Paul was waited for them in Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Therefore he disputed in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and 
the market daily with them that met with him, and certain philosophers, Epicureans of the Stoics, encountered him, and they said, what will this babbler say? Others said, he seems to be one that sets forth strange gods, and he preached Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him unto the Aragopolis, which is the hill that we just showed pictures of. He says, may we know uh, what this new doctrine, wherever you speak, is? And for thou bringest certain strange things to our ears, we would know, therefore, what these things mean. For all the Athenians and strangers, which spent nothing else in their time except for being on Facebook all day. Isn't that what it says? They were scrolling through their Facebook, and what were they doing? It says, either to tell or to hear some new thing on Facebook every day, right? And so Paul says, let me preach to these people. In verse 22, then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, you men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious, for I passed by and beheld your devotions, and I found an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God, uh, whom therefore you ignorantly worship, him I declare unto you, God that made the world and all the things therein, seeing that he is the Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and have made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth. And he hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord, and if happily they may feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our beings, uh, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are his offspring. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like to gold or silver or stone or grave in the art man's device. And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now God commandeth all men everywhere to repent because he's appointed a day where he will judge the world in righteousness by that man, Jesus Christ, whom he has ordained, whereof he has given assurance unto all men that he has raised him from the dead. And when, when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked and others said, we will hear thee again on this matter. So Paul departed from them, howbeit certain men clave unto him and believed. Among them was who? Dionysius, the Aragopolite, and the woman named Damaris, and others with him. So the street, right as I'm standing there uh, with this Act 17 marked at, to Mars Hill, this street right in front of it is called Dionysius Street. So they've named the street after the first believer. So you can't deny what happened there, that God changed the whole culture, that all the Greeks were... Now, it took, it took 300 years, and then later, all the Greeks became Christians, right? And then later, they became false Christians, but then they became true Christians in the beginning. So this is what happened. The, the, the main thing we learned here, that as I'm taking pictures, I'm like, dude, the Apostle Paul stood here, man. Dude, right? I'm like, I'm taking selfies, you know. Hey, hey. And there was this old, this woman here, this woman is in about her 60s. So this old Greek woman stopped me. She said, are you saved? Do you know? She goes, do you know Jesus? I said, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm a Christian. She said, oh, you're a Christian, but are you born again? <laughs> she said, many people say they're Christians, but they've never been born again. Are you born again? And I, then I put my camera down, right? I was like, I was trying to take a picture. And then I started talking to her. Her name is Dina, 
right? And she had gospel tracts in 40 languages. She had this briefcase. She had her, her bags. She said, I've been coming to Mars Hill and preaching Jesus to all the tourists for 20 years. <laughs> right? So I said, Bethany, come here. And I said, Bethany. So I said, you know, Bethany and Dina should talk, right? And I'm going to go take some more pictures. And so I, I went up to the top of Mars Hill and took more pictures. And then, and then I came back down. And, and then Bethany was still talking to her, getting her story. But then she came to me and said, so she said, I'm very happy that you're a missionary. You're traveling and you're telling people about Jesus. But I want to ask you one question. She said, where are the men? She says, why I, a woman, am the only one coming here to preach Jesus she said, the Apostle Paul came here 2,000 years ago. He stood at this very spot and preached to the Athenians, Jesus Christ. And today, I'm the only one that does this, right? And I said, you know what, Dina? I said, when God can't find a man, he raises up a woman. <laughs> Isn't that true? It's true, some of you ladies here today, right? Sometimes God can't find the man to do it. God's going to raise you all to do something, right? A woman, that's why we need women to come on the next trip to India, right? Let's train up these women to be on fire for God. And then when the women get on fire, the whole church gets on fire, you know? But you know what? Um, she had the right God. She was preaching a grace gospel. It wasn't like some Pentecostal gospel. It was like a straight gospel. And she's, still, she's probably still there today. I mean, she's like every day. She takes Sunday off. But she goes up there and she preaches Jesus with all her gospel tracts. So I want you to remember her in your prayers. Like next time you think about Athens, Greece, right? It's happening, right? Like get, get on your Google Earth and you can find her, right? Like, she's, like if you get, get those satellite photos, right? You're like, I want to look at those temples of Athens. And then go right up to Mars Hill and you'll see this black-haired lady just standing there with, you know, handing out gospel tracts. So if she can do it, how come y'all can't do it, right? Amen? Hand out gospel tracts. And be Apostle Paul here to all the idolatrous Americans, right? You can say, oh, I see you Americans. You're so superstitious. You have many unknown gods, you know? You have many unknown gods on your Facebooks, right? And I want to preach to you the true God. And you can just preach, just like Paul, all the Athenians uh, worshiping these idols, the Americans have their idols today, right? (laughs) As they watch their Disney Plus, right? They worship Boba Fett or they worship the Mandalorian, right? (laughs) Oh, you foolish Americans worshiping the Mandalorian and baby Yoda. I want to tell you about the true and living God, you know. Forget the book of Boba Fett and read the book of the Bible, you know. (laughs) So, So we saw that faithfulness of God in Athens, and we were touched by that. And the next picture, so the next, we got to go to Ephesus. You guys read the book of Ephesians? We got to see where the Ephesian church was and where the Ephesian believers lived. And this is some of the ruins of their city. You go to the next picture. Some of the, this is like a library, the library of Ephesus. Uh, next picture, the, the woman goddess, of course, is the goddess of Diana, the Ephesians, right? And so as you go through the ruined homes of the Ephesian people, you go behind these homes Imagine somebody going through your home 2,000 years later, right? And your home's like halfway there, like your basement's still there, you know? And we're walking through the basements of these Ephesian homes. And this is what we found. Next picture, uh, next photo. 2,000-year-old toilets. 
<laughs> the toilets have been preserved, you know? Like the, they were buried under the earth and the archaeologist had to dig them up and say, what is this? Oh, I know what that hole's for, right? <laughs> it's very clean, you know? So, next picture. And so then, as you're, as you're exiting the city of Ephesus, you remember the story. You remember when the Apostle Paul started the church in the Ephesians? You remember how he was, Paul was preaching Jesus, and all the people of the city, they used to worship who? Diana, which is, that's Wonder Woman, right? Diana is the name of Wonder Woman, right? So the Ephesians used to worship Wonder Woman every day. But when they started worshiping Jesus, they threw out their Wonder Womans, right? <laughs> they threw out Diana, which she was also called Artemis. And they took the idols of Diana, said, we don't need these idols. And the idol maker got angry, didn't he? The idol maker, his name was Demetrius. And so Demetrius got a whole crowd of Ephesians together and saying, this Paul's preaching some strange God, and he's costing me my business. I got a small business here, and my business is being shut down by Paul because nobody's buying my idols. So he got a big riot. You remember what happened in that riot? They went into a theater, and what did they chant? For two hours, great is Diana of the Ephesians. Great is Diana, right? And they, they wanted to kill Paul, and Paul escaped out of there. So next picture. Next photo, that's the exact same theater. So we stepped up into the seats and we sat down. That's the exact same stage and seats where they cried for two hours, greatest Diana of the Ephesians. And it's still preserved the exact same place. The funny thing is this is a Muslim country. This is in Turkey. We stopped in Turkey to see this. And the Muslim Turkish people know that this is a Christian area. And, and these are Muslim guides showing us around. This is where the Paul, Paul preached the gospel here and Paul preached Jesus here. Like, you're a Muslim, right? Yeah, we're a Muslim. We don't believe this stuff, you know? It's like, you don't believe it? Well, this is your whole culture started in this, right? Like, how can you deny this, right? That's why I believe there is no Muslim that has an excuse, right? I mean, I, I believe the Muslims have been reached in a sense, you know? Like, if they had enough guts, they'd check out their history, you know? Next picture. So then we went to Corinth. We went to the Corinthian church because when you're in Athens, you just hop on the highway and Corinth is like going to Harrisonville. Like Athens is Kansas City. It only took us about an hour to go south of Athens and we were in Harrisonville, Corinth. All right, so I guess you can say here, this is, you know, Heartland Baptist of Corinth, the Corinthians, right? You know, Harrisonville and Corinthian are kind of similar, right? So... This is the Temple of Apollos. Uh, next, next slide. So this is the ruins of the houses of the Corinthian church people, right? You know, people going through your house 2,000 years later, what's left of it? Uh, next picture. So then, see, Bethany, my wife, is very smart. Like, she's always in front of me. Like, she gets all the knowledge. Like, I'm just taking photos. But Bethany understands what we're looking at, right? Like, I'm like, oh, honey, look. Look at that. Look at, and Bethany says, let me tell you what you're looking at because Bethany's smart, you know. And so Bethany, that's a picture of Bethany looking at the signs, and she says, Doug, it says here, Bema seat, right? There it says Bema. I'm like, well, that's exactly in Acts 18 when Paul started the Corinthian church. He went before the judge. It was a courtroom, 
And the judge's name was uh, uh, Galileo or something like that, right? You remember Acts 18? Galileo or whatever his name is. So they put Paul before the judge Galileo, and they said, this man is preaching against our idols. And the judge says, I just missed this case. There's no, this is a dispute amongst religions. It's not a, it's not a law. So he let Paul go free. So Paul remembered that episode of he had to stand before the judge, right? And the judge let him go free. So when he's writing 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, what does Paul say? We must all appear before the what? Beam a seat, judgment, a seat of Christ, where we may receive rewards of things that we've done in our body. And we're going to have to face Jesus at the beam a seat, judgment of Christ, right? And that's, isn't that one of your lessons of discipleship, right? That's a real place. And we, we saw it face to face. It's actually a real place, this Bema seat. Next picture. And right, right at the top of the Bema seat, the Greeks actually wrote a scripture in, in Greek and English. They gave us some English. It says, it says, for this slight momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. So that's 2 Corinthians 4.17, reminding people that, hey, any suffering you go through, it's, it's very light. It's a light affliction, and it's working for you a more eternal weight of glory. That was a very comforting verse. Uh, next picture, and then I'm going to finish with that. Go, go you can shut down my uh, slides because I'm going to be finished with my testimony today. Because what I'm basically saying to you is this, is that just like the Apostle Paul lived, you can live. Even, even you women here tonight, right? Like, there's Paul and there's Paulina, right? There's, there's, there's Apollo had his wife, there was Priscilla and Aquila, right? And it's like, you can, the reason why when we read the Bible we get really excited is because the Apostle Paul lived an exciting life and Jesus Christ lived an exciting life. And you're, you're reading through the Bible and it's like more exciting than any movie you ever saw before. It's like, boom, look at all the action that's happening in their life. And you think, man, now Jesus lives in my heart. Can I live like that? And Jesus says, yes. Actually, you can't live like that, but you can die to yourself and let Jesus live through you, right? Which being Galatians 2.20, Paul says, uh, the life that I, he said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave me. So it's neither yet not I, but Christ lives in me because I live by the faith of the Son of God who loves me and he lives inside of me. So you can have that testimony in your life. You can say, you know, I live in, in Missouri, but actually Jesus Christ lives in Missouri <laughs> because he's inside of me. So when I wake up and I go to Walmart, Jesus is going to Walmart, right? And I'm going to go to Walmart and I'm going to preach to those pagans in Walmart, you know? <laughs> like those pagans in Walmart that worship the unknown God. So... You can pray and say, God, give me people to touch with the gospel of Jesus. I want to live just like the Apostle Paul lived, you know. That, see, this is what happened to me. Be, before I became a missionary to India, what was I doing? I had Jesus Christ inside of me, and I used to go help the homeless ministry with Pastor Brian Hedges, right? And you know what else I used to do? I used to work at Phelps Tool and Die, you know. Phelps Tool and Die that, you know, I was just a tool and die maker and I was working in a factory. But you know what happened to me? As I was a Christian working in the tool and die business, I said, Lord, 
there's, there's like four or 500 people working in the tool and die shop. Let's start a prayer meeting, right? So on every Tuesday, we used to meet for prayer. When work would start at like 7 o'clock, we'd meet at 6.30, and we'd pray for 30 minutes. And, we, and I, I found like two other Christians at my work. You ever, you ever met other Christians at your workplace? Say, oh, let's pray. Well, you're a charismatic. I can't pray with you. No, <laughs> I'm a Baptist, right? No, I met people from other churches. So at least they believed in Jesus. I said, let's pray at work, right? And, uh, and, so, and then I would teach them the Bible in the prayer meeting, and hopefully they'd get set free to good doctrine, you know? But then as I'm, as I'm praying in the morning, you know what my fellow Christians told me at work? Why don't we do this every day? Why are we meeting on Tuesday? Do we work on Monday? Why don't we pray on do we work on Wednesday? We work five days a week at the time. So we did Monday through Friday. We had a prayer meeting every day, which doesn't that make sense? Things you do once a week, can't you just do it every day? Wouldn't it make them a lot of better? You just did it every day, you know? And then, so we had the prayer. Now, why did I start that prayer meeting when I was working at Phelps Tool and Die? Because the same thing God did in my life before I worked at Phelps Tool and Die, I went to Washington High School, the same high school that Bobby Blaine went to, you know? She went a few years before I did. But you know what? At Washington High School, there was like some 2,000 students. I met some Christians in that high school, and I was not a believer. And I used to mock their faith. They used to pray at my high school. I said, you silly Christians, you know, just praying, you know. And, uh, And so, but they converted me. They brought me to their Christian meetings, and I heard the gospel. I got saved when I was 16 years old, and I joined their prayer meeting that I used to laugh at. And I used to meet with the Christians in my high school, and we used to hold hands before school started, every day before school. Dear Jesus, give our school for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And in one year, we saw 30 students get saved back in 1988, right? I went to high school back in 88, right? And so in 1988, when I saw 30 of my fellow students get saved, because we prayed for him and then we brought him to Christian meetings, then I thought, this is what I want to do with the rest of my life. I was only 17, 18 years old. So people say, God, Doug, how did God call you to be a missionary in India? Well, he, first of all, he called me to reach pagans in Wyandotte County first, <laughs> right, in my high school. And then he called me to reach pagans at Phelps Tool and Die on the Missouri side. And then he said, work with the homeless ministry with Brian Hedges, right, and, uh, and then God says, now go to India, right? See, it's just a progression. Where, where are you in your progression? Maybe you're about ready to start your first prayer meeting at your workplace or your school. Do you have a prayer meeting at your school campus, right? Try to go to some place where you go and work and interact and start a prayer meeting, you know? P- plant the flag of Jesus Christ and say, we're claiming this territory for Jesus. We're gonna take back what the devil has stolen we're living on the offense and not on the defense, okay? So that's what I learned by just traveling this year. And as we, we finished up our travel, God gave us the five-year visa, and God gave us this open door. So uh, by God's grace, we just ask you for prayer. As we close now, we're asking you for prayer. As we head back to India in the beginning of July, we're headed back to India. That is, we're still searching for the right apartment. We've been living with friends, and we're looking for a good apartment again. And we're going we're gonna to set up shop in Bombay, and the pastor wants me to teach Bible college and then to help these pastors to start new churches and to help Pastor Ganesh and Pastor Pradeep 
there's going to be a new initiatives, new, new, like when you're talking about India, there's a billion people, even though we've, we've already done ministry for like 15 years, but when you're talking a billion people, we've just scratched the surface of what should be done, right? So we'll all need your help. We need a team from this church, and we need your prayers to go with us, because even if you can never go physically, you can go in your prayers, right? So let's, let's break up, let's have a time of just five minutes of prayer now. I'll let you lead the prayer, Pastor Brian, and maybe we can break it up and pray together. All right. Well, this is good. And uh, I'm glad God, I'm Luke, I'm glad God directed you to bring in the high school tonight. So what we're going to do is just take a season of prayer, and we're accustomed. If you've never been here on a, on a uh, Sunday night, we'll just do it the same fashion as we do on Sunday night. And if you're not comfortable praying, I'm sure someone around you will be. And so uh, let's just let's just take a few minutes and grab those that are around you. Uh, I wouldn't go beyond, uh, you know, three or four people because then you'll, you, you'll run out of time. Uh, but uh, just get a small nucleus wherever you may be sitting. And uh, let's take five minutes. And wh- what are we praying for? First of all, we're thanking God that they got their visa, right? Praise God for that. Uh, we're also praying that God continues to give open doors because there's a new initiative happening in India, right? And there's a billion people. There's two billion people in that region and beyond that can be reached. There's places in the world. I don't want to steal anything Doug's saying, but there's places in the world that, that we won't be able to reach as effectively as the saints we're praying for and the works that, that uh, God is, uh, that Doug is trusting God to do in in that part of Asia. So let's do this. Let's take five minutes. And uh, I also want you to pray specifically for Doug and Bethany. I want you to pray for their marriage. I want you to pray that for their health. Yeah, they don't have a bad marriage, by the way. But I mean, <laughs> but pray for their health. And their because the devil, but their devil really wants to attack them. Any couple that's doing this kind of work, I mean, I can tell you, the devil hates it. And they're a picture of Christ in the church, of Christ and the church. And so they're this glorious picture, and, and they bring them in, and they're like, hey, do a marriage conference and teach the ladies. And, and you don't even know it as Americans that our culture, uh, without us even knowing it, as pagan as we are for sure, but there's just elements of our culture between a husband and a wife that are just intuitive to us that are biblically rooted. So when Americans kind of show up and, and born-again Americans that know the Word of God, it's, so, it's such a blessing in these cultures to help build the families because without strong families, you don't have strong churches. So God's using them in that capacity. So be praying for their health. Be praying for their their relationship to be protected and preserved and just solid as a rock uh, on the rock of Christ so that they can continue to forge ahead uh, uh, by faith. Okay, so five minutes. Let's put a clock on it, and we'll come back together uh, at uh, just about 21 till. <laughs>